Good afternoon, Lafayette. This is Joe Cunningham here on the Joe Cunningham Show, News Talk 96.5 KPL. It is a kind of murkier day today than yesterday, kind of chillier, but it's still a fine day. A little bit of rain here and there, but not much else going on weatherwise. You can expect it to stay in these cooler temperatures, cooler than yesterday, which was a little bit warmer, uh, but a lot sunnier. All right, here's your update on gas prices. Lafayette, yesterday, the average here was $3.92. Today, $3.98. In fact, I did see at least one gas station over $4 here uh, just off I-10. So, uh, you know, fill up today because after today's news, it's likely you're going to see another spike uh, in the coming days. Uh, Louisiana yesterday, average of $3.87. Today, an average of $3.95. Nationwide yesterday, an average of $4.07. Today, $4.17. So a 10-cent hike in the last 24 hours. The highest in Louisiana, by the way, in Plaquemines Parish at $4.13. In places in California, you can see upwards of $5 heading towards $6. It is likely that we are going to see this uh, you know, the record highs that we saw back in 2008. Interestingly enough, back in 2008, the uh, price of oil per barrel reached uh, a pretty big, a pretty high record. I forget what the actual. I uh, I know that I saw it here. Just give me one sec because I had the numbers here in front of me earlier but I cannot seem to find it right now. But anyway, the the price of oil in the U.S. in 2008 hit upwards of $140, maybe upwards of $150 per barrel. At that point, the United States, led by George W. Bush at the time, uh, announced that it was going to open up. It was going to open up... uh, offshore and onshore drilling, and it was going to make more oil available to the markets. So at that time, let's see, let me find the quotes. George W. Bush made that announcement, and the response from Reuters, a largely symbolic move unlikely to have any short-term impact on high gasoline costs. The group Climate Progress literally said, yes, and monkeys could fly out of my butt regarding Bush's statement on increased production via offshore extraction. From the Obama campaign in 2008, offshore drilling would provide short, if offshore drilling would would provide short-term relief at the pump or a long-term strategy for energy independence, it would be worthy of our consideration regardless of the risks. But most experts, even within the Bush administration, concede it would do neither. If you go back and look at the price of oil from that moment, it started to go down. The oil price dropped immediately after Bush made that announcement. By the end of that week, crude had dropped by 12%. After a month, it was down by $30 a barrel. By election day that November, the price had been more than cut in half. And by Festivus of 2008, the price per barrel had cratered to $30.28 per barrel. So what happened? Bush's critics were correct in noting that any additional supply resulting from the order would take years to reach the market. The problem for Bush's critics, though, is that the market does not deal in the contemporary. The market deals in futures. 
What that means is they take into account for the price of something how much supply will be coming in. When the government of the largest and most productive economy in the world announced that it was no longer going to put artificial limits on domestic energy production, the market said, oh, okay. All Bush had to do was make a speech and sign an executive order. And that's what he did. And the, the price of oil dropped. Whereas today, Joe Biden comes out and makes a speech and says that he's going to cut off or he's going to sanction the energy exports of Russia. Oil, liquefied natural gas, coal, all of it. He's going to sanction Russian energy exports. Folks, that is going to create a little bit more of an energy problem. At this current moment, the Biden administration is still pushing for nations like Venezuela to produce more so that we can buy oil from them. They want to buy oil from Venezuela. They want to buy oil from Iran. They want to buy oil from Saudi Arabia. Only one of those nations is a potential ally. The other two are allies of Russia. And they are led by despots, by uh, authoritarian regimes. But that's who the Biden administration would rather make friends with and buy energy from than work toward American energy independence. You know, though, Biden hesitated for a long time. We talked about this for several days, Biden hesitating on this uh, idea. Do you want to know why he suddenly decided to do it? Because Congress was about to. Biden stalled a bipartisan bill to ban Russian oil from the U.S. From uh, Jackie Heinrich at Fox News, a source close to the process tells me that the House Ways and Means Committee worked all weekend in a bipartisan manner to develop a bill to ban all Russian oil imports and also remove permanent normalized trade relations from Russia, meaning that they would lose most favored nation status on tariffs. But the president himself intervened to stop it. On Sunday night, Ways and Means Democrats put out a press release about the bipartisan bill they were putting forward, but it was pulled down five minutes later. Reuters reported on it, but the bill was still never introduced. This is, according to sources, because the White House called Ways and Means Democrats and told them not to move forward on it. Ways and Means Democrats wanted to push ahead, and so at about 6.30 last night, the White House called Pelosi to intervene. Pelosi to her credit, also balked at the idea of pulling this legislation. It wasn't until President Biden himself called Pelosi and asked her not to do it. And then the White House targeted uh, a Democrat Senator Wyden via Chuck Schumer to get him to pull on the Senate side. Ultimately, the White House forced the collapse of this legislation in Congress. Also, Joe Biden can come out and make the announcement himself today and get credit for that. 232-1542, Biden's speech today. I want to talk about what he said, what he did, and why he's saying the things he's saying and what the actual lies were here on the Joe Cunningham Show News Talk 96.5 KPL. Welcome back to the Joe Cunningham Show here on News Talk 96.5 KPL 232-1542. If you want to join in the conversation. 
So Biden today announces his ban. I mean, his ban on Russian oil, his, his sanction on Russian energy exports. But here in the United States, he also goes on and he blames the lack of oil production on oil companies that have access to all these lands that have been leased on American soil. And, and there's a little bit of trickery at play here. The Biden administration only wants to talk about onshore leases. He wants to talk about leases on federal land. The, the Biden administration has worked to slash leases on offshore rigs significantly since he came into office. And it's true that there are millions of acres of land available for oil companies to go in and drill on. The problem is the Biden administration has also, from the get-go, vowed to make it as painful as possible for oil and gas companies to do that. They have passed new regulations. They have, as we've talked about before, and Jeff Landry is getting ready to sue over, they have proposed a new rule to ban transporting liquefied natural gas via rail. And they have shut down any new pipeline opportunities that come forward, including the Keystone XL pipeline. The Biden administration is essentially lying here, but there was something else that he said in his speech today. He said that more oil has been produced in his first year than in Trump's first year. Which is true. It is objectively a true fact. But the problem here is that when Trump took office, when Trump became president, when he was officially sworn in in 2017, the U.S. oil production capabilities had been severely limited by the Obama administration. Trump had to work to undo all that to get oil and gas companies back to the leases and get them back into producing oil and gas and other methods of energy for the United States. We became a net exporter. We became energy independent under Trump because he worked to undo all of those Biden-era regulations. Biden's first year has been the opposite. A lot of unfettered access to these leases, a lot of unfettered, unrestrained access to energy production in the Biden administration due to its, uh, uh, its um, devotion to the climate change movement, they started slashing things. They started slashing left and right. And so, yes, there was more energy being produced in Biden's first year, but he has since made sure that those levels aren't going to be produced again. Because note, he said in his first year, he's not talking about currently. He's talking about in his first year when he was still trying to undo a lot of the Trump era energy policy. And Trump was trying to undo a lot of Obama-era energy policy. The Biden administration wants you to think that there's all this opportunity for domestic production, but the oil companies just aren't taking advantage. As the oil companies, he actually used the word gouging. He's, he is accusing oil companies of price gouging, and that's why gas prices are so high. The, Obama, the Biden administration is lying. When they're saying these things, they're not giving you the full truth. The Biden administration 
shut down, effectively rolled over the House Ways and Means Democrats in order to come out and announce themselves that they were sanctioning Russian energy. Meanwhile, you have uh, Transportation Secretary Pete Buttigieg, you have late-night host Stephen Colbert, folks like that saying, you know what, just get a Tesla. Then you won't have to worry about gas prices. Stephen Colbert, last night, today the average gas price in America hit an all-time record high of of over $4 a gallon. Okay, that stings, but a clean conscience is worth a buck or two. It's important. I'm willing to pay $4 per gallon. Hell, I'll pay $15 a gallon because I drive a Tesla. Do they not understand how out of touch they sound? Because not every American can go out and buy a $56,000 car. And America's, uh, America's power grid can't support everybody in America suddenly switching to an electric vehicle. I don't know if you guys know that. Y'all probably do because y'all are smart. But these urban, urban progressives don't realize that. You know what they also don't realize? When they say, well, you should just you know, walk more, or you should ride your bike somewhere, you should drive less, you should stop traveling as much. In their urban centers, they can walk to where they need to get to, or they have subway, or they have buses, or they have taxis. You don't have that everywhere in America. Most Americans actually don't have access to that. They can't afford it, or there simply isn't any in their cities, in their towns. And so the Biden administration and the progressives all say, well, you should just do this. You should just make this switch to public transportation. You should walk everywhere. You should buy a Tesla, anything like that. And the Biden administration and these progressives just have absolutely no connection with the rest of us. I have to drive a portion of two interstates to get to work every day. And then I have to get back on I-10 and drive here after work each day. I can't just walk. I can't just ride a bike to get here on time from one job to the other. You guys, many of you are in the same position. 232-1542, if you want to join in the conversation. We got a time for a quick call, I think. Uh, hello, caller. Hello. Howdy, how are you? I'm good, man. I, I thought I was going to have to wait till after the break. I just wanted to, to tell somebody, tell everybody this. You just made an awesome point about we can't, the, the grid can't handle it. Think about California. Every year they have road of rolling blackouts. What, what are we going to do? And then after everybody gets suckered in, they're going to say, well, we can't keep doing this. The energy price is going to go up. So mm-hmm. people aren't thinking this too. They're just buying into the bull. Yeah, exactly. They And, and again, the people that are saying this really have no clue how any of that works. It, it's, it's great in theory. Everybody buy an electric vehicle. We don't have to worry about gas anymore. Uh, a caller called in the other day said, what about the petroleum that goes into making your tires? We're still going to be dependent on that. We're still going to have to deal with that. Price, you know, tire prices can go up if there's no supply there. The power grid can't well, handle it. No, the, what, none what of these things will work. Else? What yeah. about all the other things that are byproducts of the oil industry? The very the, the, the phone I have in my hand, yeah. the case of it, but it's made of, of, of oil byproducts, shampoo, just everyday life, the, the water bottle you drink out of. Mm-hmm. And that's what and that's what happens when you have a dumbed down society with people who don't know, who don't inquire. You can just tell them anything and they'll believe it. Yeah. That's all I wanted to say. Well, thank you very much for the call. 
232-1542. If anybody else wants to join in the conversation, we are going to be taking a break here in a minute. But that's the thing, is they want to push all of these. They want to push us. And they said from the beginning, they, the Biden administration has said from the beginning, they want to make it painful to continue to use oil and gas in this country. And all of a sudden, now we're in an energy crisis, and they're panicking over that. And once again, they're reacting to the polling. That's why they want to sanction Russian energy now, because the polling looks even worse than if gas prices were to go up. And I can prove that by mentioning one statistic that came out in a Quinnipiac poll today, right before Joe Biden made his announcement. A Quinnipiac poll released shows, and I told you guys this for the past few days, that Americans would be fine with oil, uh, with gas prices increasing if it meant hurting Russia. And the Quinnipiac poll proves it. 71% to 22% say that Americans say that they would support a ban on Russian oil, even if it meant higher gasoline prices in the United States. And the Biden administration looks at the polling numbers and like, well, I guess that's what we got to do then. And so that's what they're going to do because it will hurt them a little bit less in the polls. 232-1542 if you want to join in the conversation. When we get back, a little more on that Quinnipiac poll because there's some other interesting numbers out of that. And Chuck Schumer is trying to sneak through some COVID relief. I want to talk about that when we get back as well here on the Joe Cunningham Show on News Talk 96.5 KPEL. Welcome back to the Joe Cunningham Show here on News Talk 96.5 KPEL. 232-1542 if you want to join in the conversation. You can find me on Twitter at Joe P. Cunningham and follow the show on Facebook, uh, facebook.com slash Joe Cunningham Show. Quinnipiac released a poll. I told you in the last segment, Americans say 71 to 22 percent they would support a ban on Russian oil, even if it meant higher gasoline prices in the United States. There's also broad support, 79 to 14 percent for a U.S. military response if Russian President Vladimir Putin goes beyond Ukraine and attacks a NATO country. Americans also think 60 to 28 percent that Putin is willing to use nuclear weapons against NATO countries. But here is probably the uh, the one statistic that I think has been uh, really interesting. Let me find... This, uh, this is probably the most interesting statistic in that Americans as a majority, if, if, a, if a country were to uh, if a country were to invade the United States, Americans say a majority, say 55% would stay and fight while 38% say that they would leave the country. But here's the breakdown on that that's very interesting. Republicans say that if the world witnesses what is, uh, and if the world sees somebody attacking us the way Russia is attacking the Ukrainians, Republicans 68 to 25 say that they would stay and fight, and independents say 57 to 36 percent that they would stay and fight. Democrats say 52 to 40 percent that they would leave the country if somebody and came and attacked the United States which is kind of brutal when you think about it. There's a partisan divide in protecting your homeland. Just an interesting data point. does not really bode well for where the Democrats are right now. 
232-1542 if you want to join in the conversation. We have Joe on the line. Yes, sir. Howdy. What people don't understand is if everybody in the United States would buy two gallons of gas less a week, those tanks would start filling up. They'd drop the price and want you to drive more. Mm-hmm. That's all you. Ha- that's all we have to do. I've done it. Just buy two gallons a week less, and those tanks would start filling up, and you would be surprised why the prices would come down. Because they don't want to shut those factories down. Mm-hmm. Yeah, you, you're you're right. There is, you know, limiting supply is you know, or limiting how much of the supply we're taking is something that will affect the price. The the problem that we're going to face though isn't just our personal vehicles, but what about work vehicles? What about, um, you know, one of the big things that I think was probably most affected uh, by the the Trump trade war was farming equipment. And those prices started soaring. And that really affected a lot of farmers negatively. If you have limit, if you start trying to limit the amount of gas that farmers are buying for their, their trucks and their, their no, equipment. No, no, I'm not saying limited. I'm not saying limited. But farmers pay a different price. Mm-hmm. Farmers, farmers buy off-road diesel. It's a red dye. Mm-hmm. That's a different price for them. They don't pay full price like the truckers. But it's still... That's, it, that's, it, a, whole, that's a whole different ball game there. It's, but it's, what I'm saying is if everybody in the United States would... They could do it. Just buy a gallon or two gallons a week less. Those takes. But the problem we having is these guys are buying these futures. Mm-hmm. On the stock market, they drive in the price up. That's what's happening. Get plenty of oil, but just slow the, just slow down a little and burn. Watch yourself and burn a little bit less gas. And when those tanks would start getting high, those prices are gonna come down because they know. They know if the tanks start, they have to produce it. They buy it from the oil companies. They have to produce it. They have to turn it into gas, plastic bags, whatever. Two gallons a week. That's all it would take throughout the United States, every driver. If he could do it. The ones that can't, well, they can't. But you would be surprised what would happen. Well, Joe, thank you very much for the call. We've got the the lines are all lit up. We've got David on the line now. David, how are you? Good, Good afternoon. How are you doing? Doing good. Well, you could have all the electric cars you want. Mm-hmm. But if you drive it on the road and the color of that road is black, that road is made from asphalt, which is a derivative of the refining process for gasoline. Mm-hmm. So if you quit refine, or if you reduce the number amount of gasoline that you're refining, you're also reducing the amount of asphalt that you can use, which also reduces the amount of roads that you can drive on. So you could have you could have all your all your electric cars you want, but if you don't have a road to drive on, you're still in bad shape. David, are you implying that Louisiana needs roads to drive on? <laughs> well, <laughs> well, that's a whole nother story. <laughs> that is a whole nother story. But still, you got to have the opportunity to make a road, that's... and if you don't have that opportunity, you still got a problem. Yeah, exactly. David, thank you very much for the call. Uh, 232-1542 if you want to join in the conversation. But yeah, great point. I mean, it's not just the oil and gas. Um, 
you know, we've got a lot of folks who are uh, a lot of folks who produce things with that the byproducts of the oil. Asphalt being one of them. Uh, we had a caller, I think, yesterday mentioned uh, the tires for your vehicles. There's so much out there that oil and gas is uh, that we rely on. So we can't just shut it all off like the Biden administration wants us to do. Let's jump back to the phones. We've got Mike on the line. Mike, how are you? Hey, Joe. I had seen that. I had seen that poll uh, that you mentioned this morning, where uh, Democrats would leave. Mm-hmm. Uh, in much larger numbers than the the rest of us, and you know that that's not shocking to me because not only don't they really love this country, a lot of them don't even like it. So again, that's not really shocking to me that they would just tuck tail and get out of here. Yeah, I mean that's you you do find that that's that's one of the reasons why uh, you know talk radio has always been a mainstay for uh, conservative talk because conservatives come at you from the idea that this country is great and you're great and we need to ensure that you have the freedoms and liberties to keep being great. Whereas progressives, Democrats who get these talk radio shows, and if you watch MSNBC, you see it. And if you watch Don Lemon or if you watched uh, uh, Chris Cuomo when he was on CNN, they were always telling you that things were bad in this country and that we're all, it's, they're, they're like really bad preachers. They don't necessarily believe in God, but they do think that we're all sinners and we deserve to be punished for all the bad stuff we do. And that's kind of what we're seeing in this poll result as well, is we, we just kind of need to abandon and go somewhere else. Right. Uh, you know, we know that, that those of us that know history and realize the, the, uh, what this country has done for the world, you know, basically fed the world and protected the world in so many places. Uh, we're one nation under God, and we've been blessed by God to do that. And it's, it's scary to think that so many people are just don't understand or abandoning that truth. Thank yeah. you, Joe. Thank you very much, Mike. Uh, we're going to, let's go ahead and take a break. We got a couple callers on the line. We're going to go ahead and take a break. When we come back, we'll get with these callers. And I uh, also want to mention What is Chuck Schumer planning on spending in the government spending bill? All that and more here on the Joe Cunningham Show News Talk 96.5 KPL. Welcome back to the Joe Cunningham Show here on News Talk 96.5 KPL 232-1542 if you want to join in the conversation. Uh, We've got David on the line. David, how are you? I'm doing good, sir. Um, I just wanted to make a couple of comments, Mm -hmm. and I'll take responses uh, offline. Uh, Your radio show today is spot on. Uh, I'm 25 years in the oil field. Mm-hmm. I live here in Louisiana. The regulations over the years have been atrocious. So I'm currently working in Texas yeah. because of because of those issues. But what you were speaking on about trading in futures is spot on. Um, just a correct word from the president would lower all these lower all these prices and get us in the right direction. Yeah. And they're not they're not stupid people they know that that's that's the bothersome part mm-hmm. um, it's like they're 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 trying to do it and that's also uh coming from a veteran um the last caller about the the, the poll that you put out it's 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 really worrisome in the way that we're going yeah. I just want to make those points well uh thank you sir thank you very much for the call and thank you very much for your service and and glad to have you uh here on the show want to uh jump to our next caller Scotty Scotty's on the line how are you I'm doing good. What you got? Uh, I'm not sure if anybody brought this up. I just started listening on my way to work. But uh, as far as the electric cars, mm-hmm. I was just uh, wondering if any politicians have explained to anyone 
uh, where we're getting the grid capacity. Let's say in 10 years we do 30% of all cars are now these EVs. Where are we getting the grid capacity for that? And if we increase the number of electric plants, what are we burning to create that electricity? Yeah, Nuclear? I, no. I, I mentioned... Gas? No. Yeah, no, that you're, that's, a, that's a fantastic point. I mentioned that at the beginning of the show. We, uh, we do not have the grid capacity for uh, the big shift to electric that they want. We're not going to have that when they are limiting uh, coal burning, gas burning, um, nuclear burning. They are now, uh, I, I, meant, I think I referenced last week, there is a nuclear power plant they're trying to renew in Florida. And the Biden administration is citing environmentalism as the reason they're not going to renew it. They're just too afraid that if a hurricane rolls through the exact right spot in Florida, that it's going to cause a, a meltdown or something. And that's going to cause a, a major environmental disaster in Florida. But they, they don't have an energy policy. They, they want to focus on wind and solar, even though, that it, even though that doesn't generate the power that we need. And the battery, we don't have the technology to build the battery capacity to store the power that those could generate and then you know, transfer that through the United States. It's just not feasible. The technology, the equipment is not there yet, but they want to push us that route this unproven, untested route. And the cleanest energy out there is nuclear power, but they won't touch it. It is just amazing. And yeah, you're right. We don't have the grid capacity and it will be 10 years before we have anywhere close to the grid capacity. Right. And where are the provisions for discarding the used ones? Mm -hmm. uh, and if you believe the, um, the auto manufacturers, uh, at what they're talking about putting out, in the next 10 years, it just two doesn't and two doesn't add up to four with what they're talking about. No, it doesn't. The other the other problem with electric vehicles, these are reports that have been coming out this winter. Uh, a lot of these the, the battery capacity of electric vehicles goes down sharply in the winter. In, in cold weather, the battery's uh, ability to retain energy is just not there. So if you want to drive across, if you want to go on a cross country road trip in the winter, you better have the uh, the heater turned off if you want to make it you know, all the way without having to recharge because it's just not happening. Uh, Tesla is the only company that is showing high retention even in cold weather, but Tesla's cost $50,000 minimum, and nobody has the money for that, even if the government is subsidizing about half of that. Nobody has the ability to pay all this money for these expensive electric vehicles with very few places for you to actually, you have to go very far out of your way in many cases to recharge the vehicle if you're driving any, you know, long distance. It's just nothing about the plan, nothing about these ideas is feasible in practice. In theory, it sounds like a wonderful utopian society. Everything's clean. The skies are clear. There's no pollution, anything like that. But in practice, it's just not feasible. It's just not going to happen. And the, it's, the, it's not. And the environmental impact is nowhere near what they keep telling us that we're causing. Every model for climate change ha that predicted some disaster has been wrong and they never want to address that. They just keep moving the goalpost down the field. Scotty, thank you very much for the call. Anybody else wants to Can I make one more quick point? Yeah, yeah, go ahead. The hydrogen fuel cell technology is greener than anything. Look it up. I, That's a way more realistic. I, you know, I have heard of it. I, I've looked little bits of it before, but I've never done any in-depth research. A buddy of mine who's in radio has done a lot of research. I need to get with him and get some of his research so I can have a little bit more knowledge on that. Scotty, thank you very much for the call. Before we go, column I wrote at Red State today, 
while we have all this record inflation going on and while we have the, the, the war in Ukraine going on, the Democrats are also trying to push through a heavy government spending bill. The White House has also requested in this bill $22.5 billion for coronavirus relief. While we have record inflation, the Biden administration wants to shovel more money out there into the economy, which will only drive inflation up further. The worst part, though, is where is this money going to go? It appears to be an oddly timed request. We've just gone through the Omicron variant. It was nowhere near as deadly. People were not nearly as affected by it as they were the other variants. And COVID coverage has all but disappeared from the media ever since the Democrats discovered it was hurting their poll numbers. Republicans want a full accounting of where previous corona aid went. But some supposedly independent groups that that support music venues want a piece of this COVID relief money. There's a group, uh, the... uh, the I forget the NIVA is is the name of the group. Um, they are lobbying for additional funds to deal with inflation and worker shortages. Quick note here: back in the two thousands, I was in a high school garage band. I played at several venues, you know, in bars, you know, stuff like that. I would never say a bad thing about small independent artists in venues, but these groups like like NIVA, these are people who have taken millions of dollars in COVID relief and led by people who have millions of dollars in personal wealth. If they want to benefit these venues, why can't they support through their own charitable donation? These venues, Dave Grohl of Foo Fighters and Nirvana fame is one of those who has a a net worth of $320 million. I'm not saying that he should give up all of his money. I'm not a progressive like that, but his charitable donations can go a long way in saving a lot of these venues an omnibus bill where they shove this in there while also saying, well, we've got Ukrainian aid and if you don't want to vote for it, you want the Ukrainians to suffer under Russia. That's just not fair. Omnibus bills are a joke. Omnibus bills are built-in traps. We should routinely force our congressmen, our legislators, to stop putting together these big omnibus packages and start passing things piecemeal. You want Ukrainian aid? Republicans should put forward bills on Ukrainian aid right now and force the Democrats to reject that in favor of their omnibus bill. Put it on the Democrats. But lo- don't let the Democrats push forward with this omnibus bill that includes this nonsensical COVID relief and Ukrainian aid. Republicans need to take a stand here. It is high time that we start getting rid of these omnibus bills and we stop trying to throw money into the economy for COVID relief when all it's doing is hurting the economic situation more and more. And that's going to do it for me today. Well, that's going to do it for the Joe Cunningham show today because I will be back in just a few minutes with Brandon Como on Offsides. I'll be filling in in the 4 o'clock hour there. So we'll have all this and more coming up for the rest of the week on the Joe Cunningham show and here on Offsides next on KPL on News Talk 96.5 KPL.